All righty, back out of here on the fan. It is overtime with John and the Beatle. Coming up in about 20 minutes, we're going to get to the latest on Jim Harbaugh. I've got different takes on that. If you're an Ohio State fan, I don't know that you're going to love them, but we're going to have to be honest about it. We'll do it coming up in about 20 minutes. You want to stay tuned for that. Now let's get to the fan focus. All right, leading us off, it's going to be Nick and Dustin reacting to the David and Joku clip talking about Deshaun Watson that we played in the first hour. Reading him, you know, seeing the chemistry that, that that's growing, you know, among us, it just it helps us that much more. How's he looked? Um, Lights I mean, out. Lights out. He like he's, you know, yeah, he's back. Lights out, man. He looks amazing. You know, just just this week, the, the balls he's been throwing, it it, it, it it almost like we had to remind ourselves who who we really have. You know, what I mean, he is exceptional. That is effusive praise from David and Joku on. What he's seen from Deshaun Watson this week. And I'm just curious, like, when you hear that and think about everything we said in the first segment about the importance of this game and about how the Browns are dinged up in this one with, with your, you know, your starting tackles out. I'm just curious, like, when you heard David Njoku literally stop Daryl to be effusive in his praise of Deshaun Watson from practice, what does that bring to mind to you? Uh, it brings to mind that they are really excited about Deshaun. I feel like last week was, it was a, a nice little kind of reprieve for him and getting him back out there that I think the team has confidence in. Um, here's what here's what it reminded me of as I was listening. That the Ravens are the known quantity in this one and the Browns are the unknown. What I think Nick meant about the unknown is that we don't know what Deshaun Watson. We know what Lamar Jackson is. Lamar Jackson is an MVP winner and he's also now an MVP frontrunner for this season. We know what their defense is, the same way we know what our defense is, right? Like, we do have some known quantities on this team, but when it comes to Deshaun, he's an unknown quantity. And what we're stacking up right now is we're stacking up the idea that you're taking on a Ravens team that is legitimately going for the number one seed in the AFC. They've got everything clicking on all cylinders right now. They've won four straight. Doesn't seem like anyone has really been competitive with them in recent weeks, and... You're putting that up against a Browns team that should be trending upward, but we don't know what Deshaun really is. Even though Deshaun has played his two best games as a member of the Browns in the previous two full games that we've seen him play. Deshaun is trending up in my mind. It doesn't mean that he's a known quantity. He's not a known quantity, and I think that's the point that Nick was trying to make. But I like that David Njoku is speaking positively about Deshaun right now. I like that Njoku is willing to put his name and stamp his name towards the, his quarterback. Confidence is a drug. It's a very, very big-time boost for someone like Deshaun Watson to hear someone like David Njoku say those things. I, I know it is. I know it is. All right, next up, Ken and Lima. As Ken was trying to donate an, a signature of Lima and Ken to somebody that used to work here for a charity event and things went a little south. She sent a message like, hey, did you send that? I'm like, yeah, I sent it on Friday. It was on Monday. And I went, oh, God. Because it always, I mean, if you send something that in, sh- in short of a distance, it's going to get there either the day of or day next day or the day after. And I'm going, oh, my God. And I said, let me know. And here it is. I go, you didn't get it, did you? No, we didn't get it. I'm going, 
all right, well, I gotta get a go, I gotta go get another one. I gotta have Tone sign it and having you sign it. Having Anthony sign anything, guys, is a huge deal because he gets all upset about his signature for whatever reason because it looks like a five year old drew it. It's a massive undertaking. Uh, it's a terrible, terrible, terrible drawing. And then he goes, what? Who's it for? And then, and then should I write anything? Where should I sign it? At? Where do you want me to sign it? He acts like he's put like, out by it. I like to put a smiley face. On yeah, it. he like he puts a smiley face when on there's it. No, twenty five bucks for it. When I there's nothing my, yeah. smiley about the situation. And then I got to pay Tone twenty five dollars for it out of my own pocket, which That's is up. odd. And I sent the damn thing, and it's this is the first time. Do you want any tracking? No, I never want the tracking. Do you want a receipt? And for the first time, I've been sending things through the mail since I was like twelve years old. For the first time in my life, no, I don't need a receipt. Walked right out. I was in a hurry. That Friday night touchdown last Friday, I had to get going. And sure as hell, now this thing's missing. And I said, I was like, hey, like, can I say, well, the event's tonight, and I don't want to put you out, and you're really busy. I'm going, you just have to show up to the event now. It's pretty clear what you have to do. You go there, you take a selfie with the person, and then you autograph their phone. And then you have to have me come and do it, too. Great. I got like 12 takeaways from that story. One of the bigger ones is why don't we have 8x10s of Ken and Anthony around the station? All right, radio stations used to have 8x10s of all the personalities. Listen, I'm not saying you got to have an overtime with Jonathan Peter on one because that's that's never going to come in play, okay? Like, that's not. Although, let me tell you this story really quickly. At the tailgate on Sunday. So what I love about the tailgates on Sundays is I do actually get a lot of you guys that come up and you say hi and you tell me nice things and it always makes my day. It's always fun when, when I have people with me as well that aren't fan, like aren't on the fan. And then you guys are like, Hey, Jonathan. And then it's like, you know, the guy that's sitting next to me is not like, you know, a consistent member of the fan. And then they're like, Oh, yeah. Okay. Go ahead. That's, that's great. Like, all right. Fine. Go, go talk to that person. That's okay. It's a, it's a nice, it's a nice boost to my ego is what I'm saying. Okay. It's very nice. But, but last Sunday, we had, I had, I had a fan come up. It was me and G Bush on the stage. Hey, Jonathan. I go, yeah. Will you sign my iPhone? And he pulled out his iPhone to have me sign his iPhone. And I said, no. I, I said, you don't want my autograph on your iPhone. That's a mistake. You're drunk, and that's a problem. And he goes, if I get a Sharpie, will you sign my iPhone? I'm like, no, I won't sign your iPhone. I'm not going to be mean about it. And then I was joking about joking about it with G. Bush. I'm like, G. Bush, only thing that's happening there is he's like taking my signature and using it for something else. Like, nobody genuinely wants a Jonathan Peter on iPhone signature. That's not what you – there's no way. That is like – that's an instant regret. No chance you actually want that. But – if I had an 8 by 10 of overtime with Jonathan Peterlin, hey, I can't sign your iPhone, but here's this nice photo of me. Uh, take that, and then I don't know. I don't know what you would do with such a thing, but take that and go. It'd be great. All right, other thing on this, though. You can always tell the kid that wanted to become a professional athlete based off of whether or not they like or don't like their signature. So like me... I thought at 12 years old I was going to play shortstop for the Cubs. And so, you know, you practice your autograph on everywhere and anywhere. I would practice on other people, like other players' baseball cards. I would practice my own signature because one day I was going to have my own baseball card, right? And you come up with really cool signatures attached to that. Any kid that dreamed of playing professional sports at any level practiced their signature. Because that's what you got to do as a pro, right? And you have a really cool signature. So I think I have a really cool signature because I practice it a lot as like a 12-year-old. Lima clearly never thought he was going pro in anything. That's what that is. Ken? Ken probably thought he was going pro in something. 
Probably has a pretty sweet signature. Lima, you told on yourself. 12 is about the age I realized I was not going pro, by the way. It was about 12 that I realized that, and I, uh, instead, then I, I was like, uh, hey, broadcasting, let's, let's do that instead. What well, might have been? What might have been? Next up. Basket. Talking about Stephen Vogt and the new Cleveland Guardians manager. He said, look, I've been in Milwaukee. I've been in Tampa. I've been in Oakland. Those are all low payroll, uh, situations across Major League Baseball. So I think he'll get that. I do think that that may have been advantage vote, you know, when getting the job because he does see how those organizations, especially Tampa, how they've had great success without having to put the money out there to pay for big league guys. And then yesterday, you know, there's some, there's a little bit, you know, like the, the Kyle Manzardo story and talking about getting a little bit of power out of the Arizona Fall League. Now, I, while I would love to be all in on that and think that we've got some big bats coming up, uh, I don't think they're going to be here uh, immediately, but maybe maybe there's a possibility. I, I, I don't know. I just I, I know what this team, what I want it to look like going down the road, and I know it all starts with pitching. One of the things I really like the most about him can this is this a compliment? Like like Baskin went down that road of like oh he was in Oakland he was uh, he was with the Rays like he's done the small market thing. It's not that it was a small market. It's just that Oakland was so awful. When it came to spending, that the Guardians are going to look like Daddy Warbucks when it comes to spending. There's that scene in Moneyball where the A's were like charging players for Diet Cokes out of the vending machine. Like that's what we're working against. You're always going to look good when you're going up against the cheapest team in the league. But that can't be the reason why you hire a guy. You're not hiring a guy because they have small market experience. That's not really a thing. It's like if I went for a radio job in Milwaukee, they're not going to be like, great. You worked in Cleveland, so you know what to do here. It's like, no, that's not how that works. And by the way, we're much better and bigger than Milwaukee, so that was a bad comparison. Milwaukee is... Now, my my, uh, my new thing that I like to rip on, I like to rip on Las Vegas and call Las Vegas Milwaukee with bread or lights. People-wise, checks out. But small market to small market hire is not necessarily what... What works there and plays with me. Plus, also, I hate when people call Cleveland a small market because then you have me comparing it to Milwaukee, and it's just not Milwaukee. We have everything in the world you'd ever need here. It's not small market. It just isn't. There's just no other way around. You want to know small market? Small market is uh, Oklahoma City. That's a small market. Cleveland's not that. Now I'm getting mad about Cleveland. Okay, here we go. This happens every now in the national show. I have CBS Sports Radio tomorrow night. I irrationally go out on rants just defending Cleveland all the time on the national show. Like, like callers won't even try to go down that road. It'll be like uh, uh, Jack in Kentucky up next on CBS Sports Radio. And Jack will be like, I went to Cleveland once in 1995. And I'm like, you don't know Cleveland like I know Cleveland. I get very defensive about this city. That's fine. All right, next up, Nick and Dustin on food recommendations. The most pressure I felt in Charlotte was when Fedor, after I'd been there a couple years, was when Fedor reached out and was like, hey, here's where I'm staying. Where should I go for lunch? And I just felt, because I'm like, I know his bar is so high because, you know, it, it, and it, not just that, but when he, when somebody asks you for places to eat in your town, there's just a lot of pressure there, especially as Tons the bad guy. Tons of pressure. Tons but of pressure. I feel like I acquitted myself just fine. You've always got to listen to meal recommendations for uh, Chris Fedor. Just ask Jerry Greenberg. Oh. Uh, what was that place called, Keith? Wasn't it? Like, it was a the, breakfast spot in Arizona. Yeah. But it's got like 30 called, pl- locations. It, it was basically IHOP. Yeah. 
All right, a couple things on this. I wonder what the recommendation would be for if somebody's coming to Cleveland, what restaurant am I giving them? I Now, you guys know I go to a lot of restaurants, and so I would probably – I'd have to get more specific. Like, I, I'd have a pizza spot. I'd have a barbecue spot. I'd have a pasta spot. I'd have – we'd have to break this one down into sections. Tweet at me at JP. I want to know what your restaurant recommendation is. When somebody comes into the city, what's the one place that you give them? I'm dying to know what that answer would be. Yeah, I like that. I, but I like food talk. I like restaurant talk. I can do that all day. Other thing is, I know how much that sucks to be in Fedor's position that way, where you give someone a recommendation and you don't understand that it's a national chain. That's what happened in that interview. When I lived in Houston, there was a, a, a sandwich spot named Jason's Deli that's a national chain. And my family came in town to visit me. And I'd been going to Jason's Deli for a few weeks at that point, And I was like, oh, you guys got to check it out. Nothing like this Jason's Deli. You've never had it before. And I took my whole entire family, two different cars, all loaded up as if we were going to eat at the Ritz. And uh, we got there, and then they all laughed their ass off. They're like, you idiot. We, we've all been to Jason's Deli. It's not, there's nothing special happening here. And I was like, really? I had no idea. And then I had to call an audible, and I think I just took him to a Tex-Mex, which is always fun. Great Tex-Mex in Houston, as you could uh, expect. All right. Lastly, here in the fan focus, let's wrap, wrap this thing up. Oh, this is a different one. This is a different one. I, ooh, I, I'm not taking it this way, but I like that Ken is. Ken wants the Steelers, and he wants them tomorrow. I want that Steelers game more than I want air. I want that Steelers game more than I want booze, more than I want pizza, more than I want my wife. I want that Steelers game. Interesting badly. order. I really do. I'm trying to. I'm trying to look right ahead and go. Hey, Ravens, big game against Baltimore. I want that Steelers game so bad I can taste it. I swear to God, to exercise that demon. Nick Chubb goes down. The whole thing goes down, and everybody. Well, they, they were they were so affected. I go. We were affected by Nick Chubb. They were leading, and every time we go to that hellhole, the stadium. It, it, and I just say because of the you know the, the atmosphere, the city's actually full of nice people and all that stuff. Every time we go to that place, something really bad seems to happen except for one glorious night. One wonderful evening. But every single time it turns into a house of horrors, and we're coming back home next Sunday, and I'm going to hear all week long this T.J. Watt stuff. And Well, you know T.J. Watt. He, he, he really, I mean, you guys like Miles Garrett, but T.J. really makes more plays. This, that, the other. And I mean, I can't. I have to. I have to have it. I admit it. I'm trying to stay focused on the Ravens, and I will stay focused on the Ravens. It's T.J. Watt. It's the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's losing to Duck Hodges. It's the whole thing. Like, I got I got to have it. You got to win this game. I can't be thinking about the Steelers when I'm so focused on the Ravens. I don't understand. The Ravens have been much better against us in the previous three years. In the Lamar Jackson era, they've been much better against us than the Steelers have. I, I don't get it. I just don't get it. I'm not scared of Pittsburgh. I might regret those words. I'm not scared of Pittsburgh. I'm scared of Baltimore right now. Baltimore is one of the best teams in the NFL. I'm usually not the one-game-at-a-time approach guy. I'm the one-game-at-a-time approach guy right now, though. I, I can't even be thinking about Pittsburgh. I won't be thinking about the Pittsburgh game. What, Wednesday of next week? Tuesday? I don't think we're going to turn the page that quickly. What's going to happen on Sunday is going to matter in such a big way, I can't turn it over that quickly. And that is the fan focus. We come on back. Why don't you guys, 216-474-0092. I think the Big Ten created their perfect scenario. I'll explain what I mean by that. Was this the right punishment for Michigan? Your calls, your tweets, everything else and more. It's overtime with Jonathan Beetle here with you on The Fan.